All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Vineyard. We're in the middle of a series called Cadence right now. And um, last Sunday, Adam spoke about the rhythm or cadence of being in God's word. And I get the privilege of talking about the cadence of being with God in prayer or the conversation of prayer. And so funny thing about, I'm, I'm part of the band here at the Vineyard and another definition for cadence is rhythm. And so I'm gonna talk about it for a minute in, con in context of music where when we have music, there's always a rhythm or a timing to the music. And I don't know if most of you know, but all of us band members, we have in-ear uh, headphones and we are actually hearing a monitor through our headphones, but it also includes what's called a click. And the click is the cadence or the rhythm of the song that we're doing, that we're playing or singing. And one of my band members, uh, Robert, who plays the band, he always, or plays the drums, he always teases me about, Rachel, do you have the click in your ears? Because it's kind of a joke between us that I don't like having the click in my ears because it's a constant like click, 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 click. But if we don't all have the click, then we can get off with one another and we're not in the same cadence or the same rhythm with one another as a band. And we can maybe sing off rhythm or play off rhythm. And I always teased Robert as he would make fun of me for that, that that was his job to keep me in cadence because he's the drummer. And so it's our little banter that we have back, you know, back and forth with each other. But it's funny because it made me think about the click when it's in our ears, it helps us to stay in rhythm with each other. It helps us to stay in cadence with each other so that the song actually sounds like a song and not a cacophony of noise, right? And so we need the click to be in alignment with one another or in rhythm with one another. And being off rhythm kind of throws the whole thing off. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this message in relation to prayer, that it's the same with our prayer, that it's like a, it's a continual conversation with God. It's a continual connection with him. It's a continual and consistent rhythm with him. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is how to establish that rhythm. And so let me just really quickly pray over the message and, um, We'll jump deeper in. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the rhythm that you have for each one of our lives and the cadence that we can walk in with you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have um, fresh things to show us and fresh things to um, give us insight into when we join in conversation with you. Because you are our creator. You're the one who created us, and you have good things for us. And we love you and we thank you for this time together and just ask that you would speak through my words in Jesus' name. So, the prayer is the same as a, as a conversation. And I was thinking, similar to a wedding day, you know, two people come together on a wedding and they make their commitments to one another. They say, I do. They exchange rings as a representation of the covenant of, of marriage and everything. And they say, I love you, probably a hundred times in that day. You know, it's a very special moment. But then what would happen, 
that relationship if that was the only time they said I love you or the only time that they had a conversation. It wouldn't be much of a relationship after that moment of covenant, right? And the reason for that is that conversation is consistent. Conversation is connection. And conversation is sharing our hearts and hearing back from the other person. And that's the same with prayer. We can get into the best rhythm of prayer if we continually meet with Jesus on a daily basis. Have those conversations to hear his heart and to align our hearts with him. We are created by a loving creator who wants relationship with us. And so I was thinking of the analogy of like the wedding day is the beginning of that covenant of relationship with two people well our salvation day is the beginning of our covenant with Jesus as well but what would happen in that relationship as well if we never talked to him again after that if we just accepted Jesus as our savior and was just like okay well whatever we're cool now I'm not going to really talk to him I don't want to really build that relationship it wouldn't be much there wouldn't be much there, right? We would lose that rhythm and we would lose that connection with him. And so it made me think about prayer even deeper. We don't want, just when we get saved, we won't, don't want our connection with Jesus to just stop there. We want it to continue and to grow. And I think that some people may think that prayer can be boring or, you know, ritualistic or something because we're commanded to pray and some people may simplify it to oh I'm going to pray before my meal or I'm going to pray at bedtime with the kids and not that those things are bad but I think that Jesus wants us to come deeper he wants us to come into a deeper connection with him through prayer and you know there's a place to crying out to God from a desperate place and he loves that And I'm not trying to diminish that at all or not acknowledge that. I know that's a definite place of prayer when we are crying out to God from our hearts and we need him to move. And that is a legitimate place of prayer. What I want to focus on today is I like to call it transformational prayer. And that's when we are building deep relationship with him by meeting with him daily to discover who he truly is. And who we truly are in him. We're learning what is our true identity. What is, who is he really? He's not just our savior, but he's all these other things to us. And we're learning to know him. And we're learning to build that relationship. Just like we would with a spouse. Or we would with a child. Or, you know, it's consistent conversation. And so, um, what if we fully realized that prayer is actually an exchange. It's where we exchange what's not meant to be in our lives or in our thinking or in our hearts for what already is through what Jesus did on the cross. So I was looking up some words for uh, prayer in Hebrew, and there's one word in Hebrew that... uh, acknowledges prayer, it's pronounced tefillah. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But it's one of the meanings of prayer in Hebrew, and it conveys the notion of judging oneself or assessing or to reconcile or restore connection. 
And I thought that was really interesting. It's not a judging, like in the sense of, oh, that person's doing that, and I'm gonna judge what they're doing. It's, it's a judging in the sense of assessing, is my life right now in line with what Jesus has done for me? Is it in line with what has already been accomplished on the cross? And so ultimately, the purpose of that prayer is to, in that same definition, is to transform oneself. So through our time with Jesus, we actually get transformed. It's not just bringing a list of things that we need or, and that's okay, there's a time for that. But it's a time of transformation where we actually align ourselves with what he has already done for us. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says it really awesome. This is in the message version. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Religion tells us that we have to pray harder or do more to get God to move on our behalf. Old covenant faith tells us that we need to trust God for what he will do. Like even throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites were believe in God for things that he would do for them, things that were in the future, things that, you know, deliver us, oh God, you know, do this for us, do that for us. But new covenant faith is trusting God for what he has already done. That's good. So prayer is us taking the time to connect with our Father, to find out who we really are, discover who he is, and to put on the promises of God, to receive the promises of God. But how do we do that? That's sometimes easier said than done, right? So taking from that meaning of prayer, the tefillah, the assessing or or reconciling, restoring connection, bringing things back together, we can take an assessment of what is operating in our lives or in our hearts that doesn't align with what Jesus has done on the cross. And we can put it off like the old man. We can either repent or we can say, no, I, I, I disagree with that. I come out of agreement with that. Whatever it is, we can literally speak it out loud and I cast off, for, for example, I cast off unforgiveness. I repent of unforgiveness and I let it out of my life and I receive your forgiveness, Jesus. I receive your grace for forgiveness. I receive your hope instead of fear. I receive your faith instead of doubt. You know, like the the man cried out to Jesus, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's like he was exchanging. He was saying, I believe, but help this thing that's going on inside my heart, this doubt that's going on on in my heart, and let me exchange it for your belief. Let me exchange it for your hope. Let me exchange it for what you can give to me. And it's that divine exchange, that that prayer time that we have, that conversation that we have with Jesus, it's meant to be a time where we literally change in his presence. 
and we begin to come into cadence with what he has said about us. He calls us sons and daughters of the king. He says that we are healed of our brokenness. He says that he has taken all of our disease, all of our despair, all of our fear, all of our doubt, and he has an answer for it. Right? So when we still ourselves, I love how that verse says, when we still ourselves, he comes and settles us down. He comes because that is our first identity, is a son and daughter of the king, a child of the king. And when we connect with him, he's telling us who we truly are. So after we assess, we can renew our mind around the promises of Jesus, all that he won on the cross. And then we can receive or put on the new man, the divine exchange, like I was just referring to, his peace instead of chaos or strife, his healing instead of disease, his love instead of rejection, his righteousness instead of unrighteousness. His hope instead of despair. His joy instead of grief or mourning. His future for us instead of feeling stuck. His goodness, his patience, his forgiveness, his courage instead of fear, his wholeness. We can align or come into rhythm with him and we can put his click in our ears and not the sound of the world not the lies of the enemy. Adam made reference last Sunday to, when he was speaking about God's word, he was saying, is the voice of God the loudest voice in your life? We all know there's so many voices that can distract us. There's so many voices that we can listen to. And the enemy is, has no shortage of lies that he wants to, you know, have in our clique. But God has truth for us and he has an identity for us that is, that is right around us if we just take the time to listen to it and have that conversation with him. Use that divine exchange and come into alignment with him and say, okay, Jesus, what, what in my life right now is not aligning with, you, with what you have for me? Do I have unforgiveness in my heart? Search me and know me, O oh God. You know how David cries out, Holy Spirit, come and show me. We can just pray that simple prayer and say, Holy Spirit, show me what's operating in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my body. What is operating in my life that you already have victory over, that you already won for me? And we can acknowledge those things and say, okay, I no longer receive, I no longer align with that in my life. And it may take time for these things to to bring, come into fullness. But we start that process every single time we sit with him and we engage with him and we let him tell us who we are and we let him tell us our destiny and tell us what he thinks about us. And then we can hear the applause of heaven that he is proud of us and we don't have to do a thing to earn that. I was struck recently about this story of uh, Beethoven. I think most of you have probably heard of Beethoven. He was a classical um, composer, amazing composer. 
There's probably music that you've heard of his that you may not even realize was his. But I, I've um, heard this story, and I wanted to just read it super quickly. Ludwig van Beethoven stand, stood facing the orchestra as the last notes of his symphony number no. nine faded away. Now, for those of you who may not know which symphony is the symphony number no. nine, it, it's like an hour and a half long, incredible musicianship with a complete orchestra and everything, and it ends with the, the very uh, magnificent chorus of Ode to Joy. And after it was over, he continued to face his musicians. So like a conductor is usually with his back to the audience and he's facing the orchestra, perhaps wondering where he had gone wrong. Why was there no applause from the audience? Finally, a singer approached one of the greatest composers of all time, turned him around and let him see the wild, thundering applause raining down on him from the crowd. You see, by the time his symphony number no. nine in D minor, also known as the Choral Symphony, was premiered in 1824, Beethoven was profoundly deaf. He couldn't hear the applause of the people. Are you sometimes deaf to the applause of God? Sometimes we can be so focused on winning the approval of others that we forget how very much God approves of us. And that's, that struck me as I was talking about prayer, that that is the place that we can go in our, in our conversation with Jesus, in our connection with him. That's where we hear his applause. We hear his, his pride over us, his, his joy over us, his delight. It says in the word that he, he sings over us with songs of joy. And we can hear that when we connect with him and we get that cadence with him. And it's transforming. It's not meant to be like just a, a rote ritual that we just do because we're commanded to. There's so much life in our time with him. And I just wanted to say, it's because it's Mother's Day, moms of a lot of people, we need to hear the applause of heaven. we can have the tendency to look elsewhere for that applause. Trying to find our identity in raising our kids or being a good wife or if we're wives or even, even just women in general. I think we want to find our identity in so many different things. Whether we have the nicest house or the cleanest house or the best dressed kids or whatever it is. Where we run looking for those, that applause from other places when God is waiting to give that applause to us right in our own little personal click in our ears. He wants his voice to be the one that's speaking to us. He wants his voice to be the one telling us who we are, telling us what he has for us, the destiny that he has for us. And one of my favorite authors, Lisa Turkhurst, I read a lot of her different books, and I can't remember which one of her books this is from because I wrote it in my journal. But she, she said, quote, we run at a breakneck pace to try and achieve what God simply wants us to slow down enough to receive. Praise. And that's what the cadence of prayer can do, is when we connect with him on a daily basis, 
when our knees are bloody for kneeling down before him on a daily basis. That's where we find who we are. That's where we find who he is. And we can settle our hearts down and let him speak. So just to close, I have, this is one of my favorite scripture verses from Matthew 11, 28 through 30 from the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. So I'm just going to close with prayer. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you have so much for us in your presence. That we can find who we are. We can find that voice that we so desperately desire to hear speaking to us about how valued we are, how much you delight in us, how much you want to show us what you've already accomplished for us. And I just pray, Father, that in the days to come, that we would find a grace and a supernatural hunger rising up in our hearts to come and be with you, to come and join you in a cadence of conversation, a consistent rhythm of coming to be with you and settling down our hearts so that we can hear you, we can enjoy your presence, and we can know that we are loved. We bless you and we honor you, Jesus. Amen.